Hey everybody, welcome to another installment of Innovation Crush, recorded live at the SAE Institute. Did you know that? Did you know that's where you were? Did not. Well, that this is an amazing place, an amazing education on audio engineering, anything you want to... Miguel, what are you studying? Audio engineering. So um, imagine that. Exactly. (laughs) It is the SAE Institute. Uh, In case you guys are tuning in for the first time ever, this show covers all things marketing, ideas, creativity, innovation, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, that's a nice shirt, by the way. I'm going to keep complimenting you as much as possible. But I do like that shirt. JT McCormick, say hello. Hello. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate the, the compliment. Well, yeah, it's got you got the silken paisley roll up on the on the sleeves. That's, that's a that's a nice touch. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, so, for starters, well, let's let's uh, let's just start with a little bit of one hundred and one. Who is uh, JT McCormick? We can do the abbreviated version. We got a lot of, a lot of time to talk. So, um, the abbreviated version of who JT McCormick is. The abbreviated version. So, I tell you what, since you want to abbreviate it, why don't you hit me with a question? I'll abbreviate it for you. Um, how does JT McCormick describe himself to someone who's never met him? Result driven work ethic is how I would describe myself. I am uh, very driven and results driven and phenomenal work ethic is how I would describe myself. It's funny you say that because, you know, in my, our research team of one, um, (laughs) (laughs) I actually found a lot of like accolades and just personal testimonies of your work ethic. You know, they talk about your personality plus being results oriented and getting teams there. Um, so let's go job title wise for a second, and then I'm gonna get into like what these people have said about you, and you can seek revenge on them if you need to. <laughs> um, the CEO, book in the box. Uh, tell me about that, and then um, we'll we'll dive in a little bit deeper. President and CEO of Book in a Box, I have had a phenomenal opportunity to take over the company from uh, Tucker Max, and Tucker Max being one of three people in the history of the world who have had three New York Times bestsellers or on the list simultaneously, nonfiction. Um, so it's, uh, it, it was very interesting to, to step in and, and take over for him. So, But w- with the company itself, Book in a Box, we have created a process that allows individuals to write their book. So we turn ideals into books without the person actually having to sit down and do the writing. As- Pretty amazing. Um, so uh, numbers-wise, I, I think there's been over 300 books. There's been... We're actually over 400 now. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. See, I told you, yeah. research team of one, man. We, so, so, solid, <laughs> solid year last year. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, and so, I mean, what's is there like a selection criteria? Like, what ha- like what's that process like? Somebody meets you on the street, and they, you, tell them what, you tell them what you do, and they're like, I have an idea for a book. Well, so, you know, everyone has an idea for a book, right. but we... For us, we don't take everyone on, and and I like to make the joke that many people, if you start out and say, oh, I want to be a New York Times bestseller and I want to sell a million copies, uh, probably not for us. We're, we're looking for the <laughs> right. individuals who are driven by an ROI. What, what's the reason for writing the book? Is it uh, lead generation? Do you want to be, you want credibility? Do you want to be the thought leader in your space? Things of that nature. But if you're looking purely for fame, uh, wrong phone number. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's interesting. I, I would imagine a higher percentage of the inquiries are on that end of the, hey, I have an idea and I want to do a New York Times bestseller. But, you know, 
what is it about your the brand that you guys have created that resonates so well, right? 400 books, you know, millions in like sales uh, on those books. Um, I don't know. What is the, what's the lifeblood? Like what's the thread when you're going and, and selecting the people that you're going to work with? You know, it's, it's not a selection. It's, it's more the people who come to us have a, a given ROI for it. So, right. so I'll, I'll use a, a very easy one. So let's say you have a financial planner. There is a big difference between handing someone your book and handing someone your business card. So if I hand you a book and I tell you I've written a book on retirement planning, well, instantly I, I have credibility behind that book. The beauty of what we do is we provide a phenomenal book. So this isn't something that you run down to Kinko, staple together, and then there's my <laughs> book. There's, there's actually high quality and the the team members that we have. By the together. way, the reason I was late is because I was at Kinko's stapling <laughs> my book together. So uh, here, here, actually. So. We'll, we'll work on that. <laughs> No, and that's great. And the thing that's interesting about this is that this business is not your history. And you have this, like, history of jumping into industries kind of feet first and kind of coming in with a a right to be naive, I guess. But um, kind of talk a little bit about your history previously. I mean, coming from a software company um, and turning that from a, a small organization to a massively successful one. Um, but just like, let's talk about a, l- a little bit on that, on that. So, so came from software background and I had the absolute privilege to be a part of a company. We started with 10 individuals. We actually used to make our sales calls off of fold out metal chairs in a storage closet. And we scaled the company from 10 people to well over a hundred and ended up with four offices throughout Texas and one in Monterey, Mexico. And to your point, I, I cannot tell you uh, connect the dots from .NET when it comes to, to software. So I, I always had a different perspective about the business and, and what we actually did. And so I, when I did get to Book in a Box, I quickly learned the term beginner's mindset. And that's really hmm. the, the area of which I operate from. I'm, I'm that third grader that walks into the room and will ask a ton of questions. How do you sell that though, right? Like nobody wants to hire a beginner, it, on, like at least on paper, right? The perception is like, I want to hire a CEO who knows what he's doing and like knows our business. But here, here comes a third grader, and you're like, come on in, sit down. Here's your office. <laughs> like, what's the value proposition in that? Well, the, the value proposition actually is. I don't need to be a writer. I don't need to write software to scale a business. And what I look at is you have individuals who are phenomenal at creating companies or taking an ideal from zero to one. I'm not your zero to one guy. I'm your one to a a billion guy. That's the end that I fall. So I've just realized and recognized where my lane is, and, and I stay in that lane. Right. So walking into Book in a Box, no, I'm not a writer. Truth be told, I can't tell you an adverb from a pronoun. But I understand the author mindset, especially because I actually came to Book in a Box as an author first before CEO. Right. And talk about that process, too, because that's that's an interesting journey. Like, you walk in, like, hey, guys, <laughs> I want to work with you. And then you're like, no, 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 I, I really want to work with you. Like, <laughs> So so what what was uh, incredible is Tucker actually came over to the, the office when I was at the software company. And we sat down, and, and I expressed to him, I said, look, I don't care if I ever sell one copy. And he said, you know, in all the years that I've been in, in publishing and writing books, I've never heard anyone say that. And the goal for me was to do a book for my children. And so they would have a legacy piece and know where their father came from. 
So as Tucker and I are wrapping up, he said, yeah, you've got a book here. This is great. You know, let's get together. Great. What are next steps? He said, hey, I'm kind of new to the CEO thing. Do me a favor. Can you give me some feedback on the company as you go through the process? And I said, yeah, sure. Why not? So my first interaction, uh, I got an email, and I called up Tucker, and I said, hey, how serious are you about wanting feedback? And he said, very. So I started laying into him about the, the email I received. Did the Fred Flintstone cousin? Fricker, shucker. <laughs> so one thing led to another, and, and to, to give you the short version of the story, I got to sit in one of their executive meetings, and then I was invited to uh, be one of their advisors. Next thing we know, we're, we're negotiating out terms on me being the CEO. Well, also, uh, kudos to Tucker. Because, you know, and maybe I don't know what you recognize in this. I think probably even in your decision process of going there is somebody who is open to feedback and willing to make a drastic change like that. Hey, I'm going to step down from my role, hire this guy that doesn't, you know, has never authored or thought, you know, read a book, the third grader, if you will. (laughs) Um, And but also recognize his faults, not a fault, but his his shortcomings, uh, and that still sounds negative, but you know what I mean, as a founder and entrepreneur and realizing like, hey, I need the one to a hundred guy. Have you seen that in other entrepreneurs or like, what is it about Tucker that, you know, kind of was the the glue for you and like that self-awareness? I I would say for Tucker, it was the self-awareness. And I would also not go out on a limb, but I'll say the maturity aspect came into it as well. If you're, uh, and this isn't a knock on the 20-year-olds, but if you're a 20-something founder, it, it's hard to let go of your baby. Right. And, but if you want your, your baby to grow and you want to scale that baby, sometimes you got to step out, step to the side and, and, and bring in someone who actually understands how to do that. And yeah, because it, I mean, that's, it's, it's hard. It's hard for anything you create, right? And most creators or creatives, artists, if you will, musicians, like you hold on to a vision for probably too long and, and or you run the risk of re- holding on to it for too long. Um, h- how have you remained flexible and nimble? Because I think as those companies grow and scale, there's a lot of like change management, um, I read one blog post where, uh, which is really great about the firing process, right? Like, <laughs> you know, bad things need to happen too, or right. per- perceivingly bad things, right? Um, so, how do you? What's your process in like going through, examining, making changes, especially like providing comfort to people <laughs> in, in times of change? Uh, what, what is that like? The, the the number one piece out of all of that, Chris, is. Always be able to surround yourself with people who are better than you. I, I, I like to jokingly say that if the day ever comes that I'm the smartest person in the room, we've all got problems. So the, the goal is to surround yourself with the, the, the best and the brightest. And my role as the CEO will always be people first. How do, how do we find that talent? How do we keep that talent? How do we scale? How do And, and you can only do that by way uh, of people. So we, we pride ourselves on having a phenomenal culture, a phenomenal tribe, and with that, makes it makes it a lot easier to scale. You know why I believe you? Why is that? Not just because you're here, but... <laughs> In 2009, the company was named number 127 on Inc. 500, the exclusive ranking of the nation's fastest-growing private companies. In 2015 alone, we have been honored with four state and national best places to work awards. And that was with Headspring under your leadership. Correct. Right? So um, 
again, like, what is the J.T. McCormick definition of culture? People first. Take care of your people. Make, make sure that in, in the role of a CEO, it's, in my opinion, solely to serve. If I need to take out the trash, I'll take out the trash. But my goal is to serve those other, serve those around me, and ensure that they're best position to excel in their careers. That's it. And even going back to this whole firing issue, because <laughs> I mean, it's just it's one of those things that need to happen. But from what I read, and this was Tucker talking about you, I believe, um, but it was such a compassionate approach to that process and like really still taking care of the individual in that, in that moment, which is nobody wants, like you don't want to go through that, uh, uh, you know, on either end of, <laughs> of it. Um, but what is that like, what's, what, what's that compassion component that you even in those times kind of are able to exhibit? Really thinking through what it's like in, in, in so many people, uh, especially in, in the corporate world have turned the firing process into a cold, just, just almost, non-human process. And at the end of the day, you, you have to say to yourself, the, these individuals are going to leave. They have to go home to their families. They're going to sit and, and have to think through what, what just happened. So as, as a human being, my goal is to sit with those individuals and train up or train out so people understand, okay, I'm not a fit for this role. Either we can shift you somewhere else within the company or we have to exit you out of the company. But it can be done gracefully. It doesn't have to be a cold process where it's just uncomfortable for everybody involved. Well, rarely do you hear somebody say, I got fired, and it was such a nice experience. Like, <laughs> you know, like that's, that's a rarity. Like, you, in most cases, it's like I, I told him I gave him my two weeks' notice, and I, then security was at my office like <laughs> a little while later. Um, so, kudos to you for, for, for at least having that, you know, the, the compassionate piece. Um, where was that instilled in you, like, as a, as a, as a human being? Because not everybody has that as a personality trait, even if they've had the best. MBA, you know, management training. There's still assholes out there, but you're not one. Uh, people, put, putting people first. I, I would say much of it was self-taught throughout growing up, understanding what it was like to, if, from the personal perspective, since, since you asked the question, uh, growing up mixed race and being half white, half black, and, and at times understanding that, there, there were times in life where black people didn't like me because I was half white and white people didn't like me because I was half black. So there was an identity piece at times. What that led to in growing up is understanding others and having respect of, of all people, regardless of where, where they fit in, in our society. So it's, it was really just people first and understanding what it was like to be looked, looked down upon right. in, in many ways. Well, I mean, this is, and this is also a great segue into the novel. Uh, I got there. How I overcame racism, poverty, and abuse to achieve the American dream. And you just only talked about one piece of that just now, right? <laughs> like, so it gets worse. It gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> it gets worse. It's all downhill from there, folks. Um, talk about this book. I mean, you, uh, you know, and this was really interesting when we first got introduced. It was. I, like same thing you said to Tucker. I want I want something for my kids to tell them this story. And you know, even as I thumb through it, it's like there are some heart wrenching moments that you've grown up with, which obviously have echoed or stayed with you in a positive way. You know, as you've gotten older. Um, but uh, but tell us about the book and and um, and why it's why it's here. 
Well, like, like I said, the book started off, this was going to be nothing more than a legacy piece for my kids. And as we got into it, and I, I worked with our, our tribe and, and all those involved, uh, from Mark, Amanda, Tucker, everybody that, that have their fingerprints on the book, it really became obvious, <laughs> as they, they put to me, that it would be selfish of me not to have this book go out to, to the world because it could it help so many. So you so, mean in the literal sense, you really wanted to just do it for your kids? Li- I literally... You did not plan on putting this in stores I or had, selling it? There, as you said, there are some heart-wrenching stories in there. Yeah. In, in fact, there are some stories in there that I swore were going to go to the bottom of the ocean and no one would, would ever know. And so that book was was truly written for, for my okay. children. And it, it turned into... Okay, there's so many people who, quote unquote, come from the economic piece of life where I come from, i.e. the hood, that I wanted people to understand the the options that are sometimes given to us. I'm not a rapper. I'm not an athlete. I'm not a drug dealer. Well, there's this fourth option that no one told us about in the hood. And and I want to share that with uh, those who, who are in the hood and, and show them that, hey, you, you can get out, and here's what I did to get out. Speaking of the fourth option, uh, tell us about Uncle Bobby. <laughs> uh, are, are, you, are you referencing specifically <laughs> the story of where we left everyone on, on uh, family church vacation? or <laughs> uh, No, but, uh, but that's a good story. <laughs> no, just the idea of, like you, like, you mentioned those options, right? Like, most people from the hood, it's like basketball, you know, pick up a basketball or wrap your way out of here right, right. Um, or sell dope and you might get out but that you said the fourth option was business and you said you mentioned how Uncle Bobby was the one who introduced you to the concept and I think in most of us it takes one moment of enlightenment you know if you will to kind of reach that innovation potential right. right it's like oh now I completely see the world differently um, so what was that and you know what were the exchanges like or at least the early ones that were that had an influence on you to kind of make the the JT McCormick we see here it was a combination but you know I, I learned to keep going from my mother uh, from my my dad I, I learned to, to hustle my, my dad was a, a pimp a 1970s pimp hustler and, and when I say pimp not in the form of what the what what Jay-Z's turned the word into he right, right. He, he was a it's real huggy bear exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> Talking to the cops so but but Uncle Bobby actually gave me my first view of life of going to work structure going to church Bible study uh, keeping to your word uh, follow through and so Uncle Bobby was the was really the first person I got to see uh, if if you produced, he actually rewarded you, and I, I had not seen that before until I was thirteen years old. Right, um, and also I think around the time you were thirteen was a time when your dad says, "Hey, I'm going to Europe for a couple of weeks," <laughs> and the line is something along the lines of, "That was the longest two weeks uh, two week vacation in the history of vacations." <laughs> my, my my dad on January second said he was going to England for two weeks, and he did not come back until the day before Christmas Eve. So yeah, that was the longest two week <laughs> in in the history of mankind. And between that, let's call it a year, by far the worst year uh, of my life, and everything that I, I went through from being in and out of juvenile. Uh, being left with my half brothers and sisters for three weeks, not going to school, uh, it, yeah, that, that was just a, a horrible time period. Okay, so realistically, right? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, this is the this is the thing that 
you know, either you succumb to or you massively overcome these circumstances. And, you know, as much as we can tell, it's like flip a, flip the cards and see where they land. But maybe not, right? Like maybe the, like the importance of your story is, hey, here's how you can overcome any sort of dire circumstances, um, whether they're as as deeply grave as yours or or just a little less uh impactful but what what was it you know that stuck with you and made you not succumb to it and you know and take those first steps towards just bettering things for yourself i i always believed that there was just a a better way out of here that that it could be done uh, i've my my mother had a very limiting mindset and and i still keep the the mindset to a degree as she always said there were people worse off than us and, and that was true but my reply to her was always well there's people better off than us as well and i choose to focus on them <laughs> exactly. so it's 50 50 exactly it's a 50 50 so world out there I, i'm, I'm going to focus on the people who are better than us and, and realize that many of these people put on their pants just like i do um, so they their their pants may be By the a way, little do you more like expensive. My pants? I, I do like them. I was actually checking you out when I walked in. Weird, weird camouflage. Oh, sorry, I just, uh, <laughs> transitional statement. No, no, go ahead. The, it, it, I just uh, knowing that there's people out there like you and like have the same sort of struggles. And then, um, what was the, what was that first step you took? I don't know where you kind of because there's one thing to think it and kind of know it. And my mom has the same story. Like she grew up in the projects of Detroit, and I asked her the question a few years ago. She has two master's degrees now. Was like studied yeah. and taught fashion design and so on and so forth owns real estate but you know i was like what was it about it and she was like i used to sit on the porch and just think there's got to be something better than this yep and that would and you know but she also has siblings right and you know i think they all sort of made a name for themselves in some way or another but you know to varying degrees yeah so what what were those first steps where you start to put the thought into practice first and foremost is the choice you have the choice to stay sitting on the porch and or you have the choice to go and do something and the, the key is many people, I, I always like to refer to it, you, you, you hear in the hood a lot, Chris, is I'm about to, I'm about, I'm about. Mm-hmm. I'm about to get this oh, money. I'm about to get this money. <laughs> I'm, I'm about to get these Jordans. I, I'm mm-hmm. always about to do something, but you're never really doing anything. And so the, the choice, just, just like now, I have the choice to sleep in each morning or I have the choice to, to get up. Uh, so it, it all comes down to choices, and I chose that that I wanted to be successful, and no matter what, I was going to find a path to to get there. I mean, it wasn't always easy. I made some money. I ended up broke and made some more money. And, but it's it's life is is full of choices. You just have to decide what what choice you're going to make. So, how do people receive the book publicly? Well, like when you go out and you start telling these stories, and they or they've read them, you know, what is what's the response been? Overwhelmingly, very, very positive. What I was prepared for, even from from growing up, you always have those individuals that no matter what, they always want to pull you back. They right. they want to say, yeah, but, uh, or you don't understand. And and I, man, I, I've you been still mixed. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're still, <laughs> I'm still mixed. Uh, I was still sexually molested. I was still in juvenile, and, and I still only have a high school diploma, and I barely got that. Right. Um, you know. It, it, in the book, there, there, there's the section where, and this is important for me, when I got my high school diploma, one, I never graduated high school. I didn't get to walk the stage, so I had to go to summer school to get my high school diploma. So I went to summer school, finished, got my necessary credits, and they said, okay, here's your slip. Go back to your high school, and they'll give you your diploma. 
Chris, I don't know what I was expecting for the confetti to come down and fireworks <laughs> to go off, but but I walk into the school. I've got my piece of paper. No one's in the school. There's there's a janitor and the admin assistant. And the janitor comes up and says, may I help you? I said, I need to pick up my diploma. Hand it to him. He walks over to the lady. Then he goes over to the uh, um, – she shakes her head. And she, he goes over to the safe. He unlocks it, and he pulls out the diploma, and he comes over and hands it to me and says, there you go. That's it. No, no, no congratulations, no confetti, no fireworks, but that's how I got my high school Just diploma. Just an awkward pause. That was like, it. Like, you done? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, again, to, to your point is it's just life's about choices. What, what, what do you want to do? What do you want to be? So it's I've overwhelmingly it's been positive that people who have reached out and emailed me, my email's in the book, and said, wow, this is great, very inspirational, makes me want to hustle, uh, makes me want to be a better person. And, and I cannot tell you how humbling that is that someone would read my story and say it makes them want to be a better person. Right. Um, and even along those lines, I, I, there's a, I'm sure you, like you said earlier, you had the struggle of, do I want to tell these stories? Do I want this to go to the bottom of the ocean? <laughs> it, in my mom's briefcase that she gave me from her being an orphan, right? Because it's all, all this stuff is generationally handed down yeah. to, to, to some extent. What was like the decision process? And how did you feel? Like, did you have like knots in your stomach? Like, oh, I'm, I'm about to tell these stories that... Uh, that are I'm uncomfortable publicly telling, but becoming more and more comfortable with. I've made peace with it now. It was somewhat therapeutic to to go through these, and and truth be told, my my father actually passed away as I was doing the book. Oh and, wow! And so I had not spoken to my father in thirty years, had not been back to Dayton, Ohio, in thirty years. And so it was a mix of emotions in, in doing this book because there were stories that came up from my childhood and, and uh, from, from the, again, the sexual abuse that, that I swore I'd keep to myself uh, to the, the times that I was left with my half-brothers and sisters. Yeah, there, in, and to put that in a book, very, it's an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. It, the, the way I can best sum it up is when we were doing the book launch in, in Austin, the, the day we were getting ready to head over there, my wife asked me, are you excited? And I said, no. And she goes, why not? I go, imagine taking your darkest moments, your, your secrets, things that you may or may not be proud of at all, and now they're in a book for the whole world to read. Would you be excited? And she goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I see. <laughs> um. Well, uh, it, it sounds like you're, uh, it's been a great process having done it, right? Cause, yes. Because there's this whole duality, I, I feel like, to high-functioning individuals, you know, high-functioning creatives, et cetera, et cetera. What has stuck with you, maybe good or bad, from, you know, that, that rough upbringing as you continue to kind of, like, evolve in your own career, right? Like, is the, the habits or the hesitations, like, what are those things that, like, you can readily recognize, like, oh, that's kind of from my experience as a kid? The, the work ethic, and, and always, I've just never forgotten where, I, where I've come from. And so, so I live in, in, in Austin, Texas, and there is a Salvation Army on 7th Street, and it's just full of, of homeless and at least twice a month I drive by there, and, and I never forget, you know, I was about a half a step from, from being there. 
So I, I always keep in perspective where I've come from, and I'm, I'm always appreciative of what I have, that's, Every, everything. That's great. That's great. Um, so uh, even prior to um, the software business, you were in mortgage. Like you, you, you were, so, so Chris, you just choose to, to bring up some of those uncomfortable moments. I don't think it's uncomfortable. I think here's the thing. I think a lot of us have like these journeys that don't make sense until some inflection point where you're like, ah, that's what it all means, right? And whether you recognize who you, your gift as a CEO, and, that, and that, that in and of itself is a gift, you know, that skill. Um, but but you've also, like, you've explored. And I think that's part of the journey is, like, exploring and, like, having the failures and having the fun and the glory and the, and the, the downside. So... Um, I don't know what the question was in there, but <laughs> just, I just wanted to expose all your all your uh, imperfections. <laughs> no, I, I I guess that's what's the common denominator with you, right? Yeah, you were talking about the people, but like when you walk into a room, you know, what do you feel? What do you want people to like walk away with from an encounter with you? And this can be in a business sense more so. I think I'm I'm looking at, um, you know. Uh, it, it, when you when you do walk into a room and you encounter people, what is that thing? Business or personal, the, the number one thing that I want people to walk away from is that I, I'm a genuine person and I'm a caring person. And I never for one moment ever uh, do I ever feel that I'm, I'm above anyone else. And, and I, I talk about this in the book as well. For me, I, I am very much known for treating service individuals, if you will, even better than CEOs and, right. and high-level executives. Hey, you got enough people that, that kiss up to those individuals. Right. But people will often overlook or not give the same respect to those in the in the service industry. You know, the the, the people who clean the hotel rooms, the the people who take your money at the gas station. The, those are the individuals that that I would say I hold in the highest regard. So, what do I want people to feel is that I, I'm a genuine person and and I treat everyone with, with respect uh shout out to a friend of mine george brett who um wrote a book i think it's called first time executive um and he talks the whole theory and his whole career has kind of been based on this is like a new executive comes into an environment and most of them fail within the first 18 months um and they're out then you got the next one and so on and so forth and part of the solve for that is get in get an early win um, what are what is your strategy going into new environments and gaining the trust? I get the you're a nice guy, right? right, right. <laughs> like, hey, Janet, are you doing all right? All right, you know. But like, what is that like um, strategically? What are what's your approach to like really winning over the tr business trust? That we, well, all right, this is this is our captain. You know, I, I was fortunate, especially coming into Book in a Box, my first quarter there, we had a seven-figure quarter, and we had not had one before, so it was the very first one, and so that was a huge win, and, and really all it took was, was some structure, and that was a huge win for us as an organization, but, but as I told uh, Zach and Tucker, the two co-founders, is, okay, great, let's celebrate that, that seven-figure quarter but let's not celebrate it again until we do it back to back. And then we became very fortunate that we did it three quarters in a row and we're, we're still doing it. So th those were, were huge wins. Simultaneously, uh, it, it was not 
just winning because I also had to, I, I was averaging a person a month exiting out of the company my, my first seven months there. So <laughs> it was uh, like, I'm bleeding individuals. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, we, we had to make sure we, we got the right tribe members and the right people in the right seats so, so we can, can scale. You said, you said tribe a few times. Oh, yeah. What, what, define that for. So, not, not a fan of the word employees. And damn sure not a fan of the word human capital. It sounds like we're trafficking people. <laughs> True. So uh, when I was at Headspring, well, now we, there's a travel ban, so nobody you can't traffic anybody. <laughs> so, so when I so was, there's that there's that little little <laughs> caveat there. Uh, but when I was at Headspring, we called them uh, team members. And when at, at Book in a Box, and they had already had this uh, implemented long before I got there, is we, we refer to everyone as tribe members. So, so we're a tribe. And so we're, we're not employees. We're not team members. We're, we're tribe members. And that's what, what keeps our culture solid. Branding is sex. How to get your customers laid and sell the hell out of anything. Deb Gabor. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was like, as I'm strolling through, I'm like, what? Um, but the, and this is a great sort of testament, I think, to your theory on this, this book is a business card in some yeah. way. Um, there's an ROI attached. Um, tell me about, you know, that strategy. I, I kind of have a second question there, which is probably more like, what's the balance between storytelling and business, right? Like, I, I like you want to tell a genuine story, and then as you get toward the end, I start to hear a little bit more about your business journey, right? Yeah. Um, this isn't like hardcore business principle. No. Um, Debs, you know, it's a, it's definitely like an in-your-face title. It's black and gold. Like it just looks like a sex book. Um, not that I've read a lot of <laughs> sex books in my life, right, Miguel? That's right. Uh, so um, he knows. <laughs> but no, like, what is that balance between storytelling and like business card? So the, the beauty of this, when we do the books, it's written in the author's voice. So our goal is to make sure that if you pick up my book, Deb's book, that you feel as if Deb's reading that book to you. So it's full of Deb's experiences, her, her business acumen, her knowledge that, that she's putting into the book. It's not us, quote unquote, ghostwriting. So many people confuse us and say, oh, oh so you guys uh, do ghostwriting. No, not at all. Our books are comprised of the author in their tone, their voice, their experiences, and their knowledge. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes total sense. Uh, it's it's interesting because, I mean, this I, I feel like in our conversation, this idea of empathy comes up, right? And I think in order to translate your experience into your words for you, <laughs> right, I have to, like, absorb you. Correct. And I don't know if that's an ex- I whoever had to do your book probably was, <laughs> was like in tears on a daily basis. There's a lot, lot of tears shared <laughs> with my book. But yeah, you know, how do you hire against it? How do you find like the right writers that, you know, can structure your thoughts in a way that you would construct them, but that is digestible to an audience? And, the, and therein lies the magic of our company. First. <laughs> <laughs> that That is, again, we, we are fortunate to have a, a, a tribe member of people who have the expertise, who have done books on top of books, who have published books, who have had the experiences of working with uh, the, the Layla Ali's, the, the Bob Hopes, the, the Mike Wallace's uh, of the world. So we, we've been fortunate that we have that experience. And, and if you notice, I, I'm not giving you the, the secret sauce to, to what we do. But You've been PR trained. That's yeah, fine. <laughs> 
I'll ask you again a different way later. But no, it, no, it's, no. It, it's, it's done through a series of, uh, of interviews, Chris. What, what we ask you to do as an author is, is sit back, let us ask the questions, and let us pull that information out, out of you through a series of interviews. And we don't want you to do any of the writing. We don't want you to sit there and, and prepare in, in advance. We want to pull that information out from, from you from the beginner's mindset. And I think, I mean, even, regardless of if I won a New York Times bestseller or if I won an ROI, I think there's still a threshold by which a time I'm ready. You know, have I had enough life experience? Have I had enough experience in this particular thing? You know, I I get emails all the time like, hey, I would love to be a guest on your show. And I'm like, not yet. Right. Like, yeah, and, yeah. And, and like and what you've done has been amazing, but not yet. Like, right. d- is what's that breaking point or have you identified a few things where it's like all right i like your intention you have a good heart you, you know you're on your way like what and how do you break that news well no that that's a very fair question because there are many people that we actually turn away uh <laughs> tr- truth be told this happened yesterday i had a person and it was it was a call that that we were going to go through and and find out what her her book was about uh, and her title she shared was "Why Hitler Got It Right." Yeah, we're <laughs> we're, we're not doing a book with you. <laughs> yeah. Oh we, my we, gosh. We are not doing a book with you. So so my 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 point there <laughs> is yeah we we do turn people away, and not everyone has a, a book in them. You may have an, an idea, but to your point, it may not just be enough for for a book. Right. And and. We, we, we disclose that up front, that we say, look, we don't work with everyone. There's not, there's not always a book there. Right. So there, that, there's but, no surprise. And I think that happens, you know, I love the parallel, like that happens in business, that happens in careers, that happens in entrepreneurial journeys. Like I have an idea and I want, I want to develop. And you're like, no, nah, not, not yet. Right. There's always yeah. this not yet thing. Um, what do you encourage people to do in that in that moment, right? Like, or do you just kind of sever ties all together? <laughs> you don't have to mentor them through like the the next six weeks to, no, no, to massage we, them, but like, do you give feedback and say, uh, "We do, we, yeah. we we give feedback." In, in the way I, I like to explain it, uh, when I, I've been asked that question before, is just because you graduated college and you got your degree doesn't automatically entitle you to a VP position, the corner office, Alexis, and six figures a year. I mean, it, it takes time and it takes the experiences to to actually have something to say to put in a book. And, you know, as, as you said, people want to be on the show. People want to sit with you. Uh, not not you're not quite there yet. You, right. you, you need a little more. And, and we don't have a problem expressing that to people. That's great. Uh, it's just that that whole idea of honesty and empathy and really understanding and, and giving good feedback at the right at the right time. Um, the show is called Innovation Crush. You've uh, in the past two years. Right. Yeah. Um, well, let's, let's back up. What did the next two years look like? You know, like, is it more volume of books? Are you guys looking to evolve your offering? Like, are you going to do more story? Like, what's the, what can, what can you tell us? The, that, uh, yeah, that, that's a, that's a great, yes, we are looking to evolve and really everyone who writes a book is writing a book for validation, credibility. They want to be the thought leader. And they're looking for attention of some sort, most of our, our, our authors. And so what we're doing behind the scenes is scaling the company more than just out, outside of doing books. We actually want to help people achieve those goals of uh, bringing attention to themselves and, and their books. So 
Yeah, there's uh, much much more to see. To that look come. in your eyes right now. Oh yeah, like, <laughs> you, like, you see the excitement, don't you? <laughs> exactly. Like what? This new move is about to slap the bleep out of you. Yes, it is. <laughs> Wait till you see this new move. Um, so, uh, what I was about to say, the show is called Innovation Crush. What do you see out in the world that you are currently crushing on? I mean, 400 plus books, but maybe there's you've also come from a software world. You've seen the hood. Like, where where are you seeing the things that you're like, oh my gosh, that is so amazing. That gives me goosebumps. The, uh, the amazement that, that I'm seeing right now is through where we are as a society and, and wanting to give back to people. I, I really have enjoyed watching throughout the elections how much people have come together and, and rallied to want to, to make a difference in, in society and come together. When, when you see what's going on in Chicago, when you see what's going on in the, in the elections, and now we've got the, the, the travel ban, it, I feel that in our country, this is one of the first times since back in, in, dare I say, Martin Luther King and the civil rights that you've seen so many people come together as a society. And so if I, if I want to say what am I crushing on, it, it would be that. And, and especially for me, where I come from, yeah. uh, you know, you referenced this earlier, the fee- the overwhelming feedback that I have received on my book, and I didn't understand it at first, was, oh, your book is perfect timing for where we are in our country right now. And it took me a moment to hmm. understand where are people going with that? And, and I understand the, the race piece of it, the inequality piece of it, the... Uh, pay uh, discrepancy that that we have mm-hmm. in, in our country. And, and I, and I got to say this, Chris, this, this part blows me away in our country where we are right now. How in the hell are we still in this day and age where men and women are not paid equally for doing the same job? I, it, it blows me away. Well, it puts more money in my pocket, so... <laughs> Sorry, lady. No, I'm just kidding. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, there was some post uh, yesterday about a board member of a really popular company. That's uh, about to go public. Yes. And like, there's a picture of her sitting at uh, like with her chin in her palm. And it's like she's out of all the board members, she gets paid like she's going to get the least. Yeah. Out of that. So it's it's pretty. Uh, th- I mean, there's a lot of things that we all wish would go away. I think what you started off, though, you, by answering the question is with a positive outlook. I swear to you, like I was in the studio the day of the inauguration and I, like I'm not at least via this uh, this show, a politically minded individual. Right. But I know I tell a broad swath of stories and I want people to hear the innovation perspective from multiple angles. And I've included a lot of people who uh, run the risk of being, you know, underserved, yeah. <laughs> severely underserved by this administration. And I felt pumped up. Like, I was like, cool. Like, I felt like I was about to go play a basketball game against Kobe and somebody's going to kill me afterward if I didn't, uh, if I didn't win. <laughs> right? And I was like, all right, well, let's do this. First, I get to play with Kobe? <laughs> and, like, oh, whatever. That's a horrible metaphor. But... Um, but you know this idea, like uh, you chose to look at it from you. You looked at the unity where most people, I think, if you look at most people, most of our Facebook feeds, it's like I can't believe how awful things are right, right. now. Um, so it's a it's a weird like uh, dynamic in terms of how you choose, like you you know your whole uh, idea of choice um, to to view the circumstances. No, totally. And, and I've been asked that. JT, how, how did you do it? What's your secret? Where, how did you become successful? It, it's a choice. How, how do you choose to see life and what's provided to you? And I look to 
how can I make this work for me versus what's working against me? Right. And it's just what, which side do you want to look at? That, that's it. You yeah. Know, I, I could have, you know, uh, my, my father had 23 confirmed children. I could choose to use that as a crutch. Or I can choose to make sure that I, I don't repeat history and do the same thing. <laughs> right. It, but but life life comes down two to two or choices. three or twenty-three. No, twenty-three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two or three. Oh wait, no, no twenty-three. Twenty-three confirmed children. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of activity. A lot of activity. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, that's uh, you know that that's that's amazing. Um, last but not least, you know this whole idea of like creating your circumstances. Um, Complete this phrase for me. Innovation to me is changing your surroundings and being the person that actually takes control to do so. Explain that a little bit. You can only innovate if you actually will are willing to go in and, and make change and not succumb to, to status quo. And, and what I mean by that is you you don't know what you don't know, so you, it's it's up to you to go in, and change your surroundings. And, and if I give give me a little uh, an extra piece there, I'll I'll, I'll go a little deeper. Um, our education system will change. E everything that I've learned in life has been self taught, and in many ways, you can Google damn near anything. Yeah. And I don't need to under to go to school to understand about uh, Christopher Columbus, who didn't discover shit. Um, the innovation where we are right now is going to be up to us to to make that change. That that's innovation to to me. That's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, where can people find out more about you? The book, your email address is in there, but so they have to get it in order to contact you. I, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the book is easy to find. It's on it's on Amazon, uh, and or you can email me at jt at bookinabox.com. You can go to bookinabox.com and and read all about our, our company and what we do. Uh, phenomenal group of people great group of individuals and i i can sit here and humbly say I'm, I'm very proud to serve each each and every one of them well thank you uh everyone this has been another installment of innovation crush thank you to the sae institute and we will talk to you next time